Okay, welcome back, everyone, to a brand new episode of the Crypto and Muay Thai podcast. I am super excited uh, to welcome our guest today, Brandon Sixgun Gibson. He is one of the head striking coaches at the world-renowned Jackson Wink Jim, uh, based out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm sure you, he's most widely known for being one of John Jones' striking coaches and just all around uh, a pretty cool guy, given you know the chance to interact with him uh, in person. So thank you so much, uh, Six Gun, for jumping on the podcast. I really appreciate it. How are you doing today? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's been a while. I saw you guys like a week before pandemic lockdown really hit. That was like the last bit of travel I'd done, which is crazy considering, you know, that most years uh, I'm, I'm traveling about 40 weekends a year on the road. So this has been a, a wild shift. Yeah, it's, it was it, like you you couldn't really expect how it was going to play because we were just normal, like, you know, we're slapping high fives, you know, working different drills and stuff like that, going out drinking. And then, you know, literally a week or so you fast forward. It's like, all right, planes grounded. Don't go anywhere. Yep. Don't don't talk to anyone. Don't look at anyone. So it's a real, real interesting time. Um, that we well, I mean, we now. squeeze it in there. I'm definitely happy. I got out to Pittsburgh uh, and, and team stout in though before things got wild because that was that was a blast man i got a lot of respect from you guys and the team and uh and all the coaching staff and the amazing fighters you guys have and, and the homie big lawn man i got a lot of love for him so <laughs> yeah shout yeah, out was, to, <laughs> shout out the big lawn he's he's a crazy he's guy um but i'm so glad that he like that he set that all up because a it's awesome to have a coach like you come in at your level and be able to not only show, you know, kind of peer back, pull back the curtain a little bit as some of the things that you work on with all your, you know, current and or former champions, um, but also great for our fighters too, specifically for like Will and I, because, you know, it's like, hey, like you see Six Gun showing this? Like we show you this too. It's like Six Gun yep. you know, works yep. with arguably the best MMA fighter of all time, you know, so we know what we're listening to. So again, it, it kind of like validates Will and I a little bit. So that was like an additional like sweetener on the cake, you know? Right. Do your homework, kids. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and like with that, so for anyone that's listening to the podcast that doesn't know who Six Gun is, I'm just going to let him sort of, you know, yeah. give a quick, you know, background on himself. Um, I I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, this is, this is a fight city. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I grew up, um, boxing, doing a lot of karate. He's kind of like an eighties kid would. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, in, in my teenage years, more and more into the boxing scene. Um, and right when I started college, I got linked up with, with a great Dutch kickboxing coach. Uh, I started training under him a little bit. He brought me to, uh, to Greg Jackson and Mike Winkle John's gym. And, and that was early 2000s. Um, the MMA scene here in Albuquerque hadn't really blown up yet. We had a lot of guys on kind of the local scene, guys like Diego Sanchez and Holly Holm and Carlos Condit, and uh, guys that were a little bit older than me, like Keith Jardine. And uh, it was real cool to just be a part of a team that, that blew up. You know, all of a sudden Rashad Evans was at our gym, George St. Pierre, young John Jones. And uh, I feel like I've been very fortunate enough to learn from amazing fighters and amazing coaches and, uh, and what became a renowned gym. Uh, but, but it wasn't at the time. 
And um, I started coaching at a young age. I felt like I always had a knack for holding pads and uh, maybe good coaching vibes, right? Like calm energy, focus energy, and dedicated person as well. So uh, I started training fighters around 2008. And um, I've been very fortunate enough to, to travel the world doing what I love with amazing people and uh, just sharing martial arts everywhere I go. Yeah, I mean, and that was definitely one of the vibes that I got whenever you were at the gym. Like, there's there's fighters, there's bullshit artists, but then there's martial arts. You like martial artists. And whenever you can find, you know, a martial artist, but also can straddle that fighter vibe or that energy or yeah. relate to it, um, like, I think that's a truly uh, special combination, you know, as well. It's like, I fought before, but I wouldn't consider myself you know, a fighter, like there's a different sort of like mentality that it takes. So it's like, I'm firmly in the martial artist camp, but I can relate to them like well enough. And I think whenever you have that component, it, it, it's that much more powerful. So whenever I saw that from you and like how you were teaching, I was like, okay, no wonder, you know, it clicks. There's a reason why Jackson Wink was one of the first, you know, super camps that were, that were out there. If you strip out, you know, Militich or Lions Den mm -hmm. Ken Shamrock if they were too early on but like in the modern mm -hmm. era I would say Jackson Wink is probably the first super camp and still continues to pump out high level uh, fighters even to this day yeah he, and I, I definitely learned a lot from Greg just like on the fighters psychology and the vibe and Greg and Wink are very yin yang combination too Wink was a champion kickboxer he's just like a very hardened no nonsense, no bullshit, put in the reps, you know, be prepared, run the laps. And, uh, and, and Greg is a, a little more Zen master, a lot of mental work, a lot of strategy, a lot of, uh, you know, strengthening your soul, strengthening your mind. Uh, but yeah, yeah, coach, I'm definitely with you. I would, uh, I, I try to relate to the fighters, um, but I'm definitely a martial artist. And there's some amazing fighters that I, that I would, you know, classify them as that, that I've trained. Um, but the guys I tend to do the best with are, are the more pure martial artist types. Got you. Like with that being said, so who I've seen on Instagram, you're working with a couple of guys, but it seems like one of the guys I'm consistently seeing on your feed is Aaron Pico. So presumably yeah. he kind of falls within that mold. You know, Aaron's like a young, uh, and he was on, you know, the international wrestling scene as a boy going to Iran and Cuba and in Dagestan and wrestling the guys where most, you know, U.S. kids are playing soccer after school or baseball. I mean, Aaron's just a little Spartan. He, you know, and, and he, he's able to uh, also train out of Freddie Roach's when he was young. You know, he was, he was 18, 19 Spartan Miguel Cotto. Aaron has just been bred uh, in, a, in a different category than a lot of these guys. But Aaron's strengths, you know, in his wrestling and, and his boxing, I think put him on the fast track in MMA. Um, but that didn't necessarily mean that he understood what it meant to be a, mar a mixed martial artist. Gotcha. Um, so, so there was a lot of parts of the game that um, he was just trying to figure out as he went. And I really love Aaron, man. He, he's been in here training five, six days a week. Um, we've been together for about a year now. And, and I, I couldn't be more excited for his future because this kid is brilliant. Not only does he – does he have an amazing work ethic? Um, and, and he just has all the physical attributes. He, he's an amazing athlete. But most importantly, he, um, he puts in the mental work. He studies a lot of tape. He's really fallen in love with that approach. 
he studies his own fights. He studies his own sparring. Um, he takes notes after every workout, but he's also always watching and studying the greats. And that's one thing I think he really picked up and was inspired by John Jones. Um, John John's real big on on film study, and Aaron's, Aaron's getting there. You know, uh, we're looking at some potential matchups. I hope Bellator comes back online soon. Some names have been thrown out. And the other night we watched two and a half hours of tape together uh, after a hard workout, and I just see him diligently taking notes and following up with me on those notes. And I feel like that's what really separates the, the real high-level competitors in this game. I 100% agree. I think what also separates the high level, not just competitors, but also martial artists as well. You know, it's like I never competed at a high level of boxing. It's like, but I know a lot about boxing because mm -hmm. I've went and trained, but also at the same exact time doing film study, not because I got a fight coming up, because I find it interesting and I want to learn like from the best. And like after a while, like at the beginning, you kind of feel like a fish out of water. But after a while, you start to see the patterns. And you're like, oh, that's why they're doing that. They're sticking the jab to the body because they want to program him maybe to parry down and then sweep across with a lead left hook like Canelo does. So I, yeah. I, love, I love film study. But that, do you guys do a lot of MMA film study, like on himself, other, like other high-level people? Or do you like mix and match, like look at high-level Muay Thai, high-level boxing, and like oh, see absolutely. how you – good. Absolutely. You know, I, I would say predominantly we're studying MMA, um, you know, and, and Aaron's inspired by a lot of, you know, current champs like Kamaru Usman or, or Habib um, and, and what, how is the game continuing to evolve, right? Like what are, what are new trends we need to be looking for? Things like tactics. Um, also always inspired by the greats, um, you know, guys like Sugar Ray Robinson and, and Rocky Marciano and, and Dempsey and Tyson and Tommy Hearns and Duran. Like I, I have all these crazy combinations named after all these guys and, and always trying to teach Aaron how they were just masters of rhythm changes and, and, and how they would master techniques and how they were chess players. Um, and then, you know, current um, champions in other sports too, right? Like uh, just two weeks ago, I, I did taught a whole class series, like three weeks in a row on, you know, the, the parts of Nikki Holston's game that I was really inspired by, like using your boxing to set up, strong kicks so I'm, I'm always looking for inspiration i'm always trying to stay on kind of the cutting edge of this game i think that if i got cocky or arrogant um this game would pass me by real quick there's a million guys out there that want my job um so i just got to continue to progress too and stay sharp 100 percent. i think you said two things that kind of caught my that kind of caught my ear one was um, the the people that you're sort of looking at as inspiration? Do you guys look at Gaethje as one of those individuals as well? Because Pico, his skill set kind of seems like he would fit like right in that mold, like a super great wrestler, but also has great stand up as well. Yeah, and you know, fortunately, Aaron spent uh, a little bit of time with Justin too. That yeah, uh, you know, they're all managed by the the, the famous Adli Abaziz, and so Aaron's gone out and helped Justin for for some of his camps and. Um, you know, yeah, we're, we're definitely inspired by guys like Justin, um, you know, guy, even last night, like Poye and Hooker, uh, what an amazing bout that was. How can you not, you know, draw out of, out of that, both of their, their, their toughness, their grit, the technique, um, the defense, the, the rhythm changes, just the tide of the fight and how Poye was able to really cap the championship rounds in that one. Um, yeah, what an amazing sport. There's so much to take in. There's so much to learn. And also having awareness of 
those elements could be that could inspire different fighters, right? Like what inspires Pico is very different than what inspires a guy like Carlos Condit or a guy like John Jones. So gotcha. Um, obviously, you know, if it's classified, feel free to tell me to go, you know, go screw myself. But like, what, like, can you, can you elaborate like on some of the things that like would inspire like a Pico versus a car like Condit, you know, like Carlos Condit, like obviously for me, Muay Thai, like high level Muay Thai is going to get my juices flowing, but that might obviously be entirely different for those guys. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's a set example. Uh, you know, Pico loves boxing, right? So he loves looking at uh, like Canelo. So, so a big power puncher like Canelo would really inspire Pico um, and Canelo's setups and his defense and his movement. Um, Carlos is, is, is so, uh, you know, just a different style, a different rhythm. But Carlos likes uh, defensive mastery as well. So uh, he, was, he was just highlighting this morning that uh, he loves Cub Swanson versus Cron Gracie and, and Cub's ability to stick and move and, mm. and kind of pop shot and set it up with his feints as well. So, um, yeah, so sometimes it's kind of like a different season for things, you know. Sometimes you want that power hard hitting. Sometimes you want BJ Penn licking blood off his gloves. Sometimes <laughs> you want Sanchai cartwheel kicks, you know. I, I guess it depends a little bit uh, on the opponent as well. But, like, I was seeing some of your posts with, with Carlos. I mean, he's working, like, great boxing footwork, in all honesty. Like, being able to sort of, like, take that shuffle step off the sideline, like, throwing a combo, and then, you know, sliding out almost Mike Tyson-esque, where, you know, they're in front of you, and then take that quick sidestep to cut the angle to be able to hit, you know, some of those angle shots, whether it's hook, straight punches, or whatnot. Yeah, and I think a big part of that is just Carlos's continued evolution, right? Like, you know, Carlos can, can go toe-to-toe, -to -toe and, and he's had such amazing wars of champs, you know, guys like Lawler and, and GSP and Roy McDonald. Um, he could sit in the pocket and throw hooks, like, he, you know, when he knocked out Hardy. But um, Carlos is also very slick, and, you know, it's just like, let's continue to grow. Let's continue to not take damage, put you in good positions to, to devastate your opponents. And, uh, and, you know, just like I was saying earlier, man, I, I can't get stale or stagnant in this game. And sometimes I'm, I'm really inspired by the fighters as well, right? Like Carlos has had this intention where, where he's going to hit these Tyson-esque shuffles. So how do we, how do we place them uh, fluidly into his game? Got you. With inspiration, do you, uh, do you watch any of one fighting championship at all? Because they're doing yeah. Muay Thai, like in the MMA four-ounce gloves, which – I personally love, you know, I wish the UFC would do that, like to see true high level Muay Thai, but like with those nasty gloves to where the Dutch guys can't get away shelling up as much and the Thai fighters can't just play like sloppy long guard as much as well. Oh, I love it. I love it. And, and uh, you know, even just the, the cage versus the ring brings in so many different dynamics. And yeah, I, I definitely keep up with one FC. We, um, I, I was actually training last year, Edward Fululong from the Philippines. I got was you. a 1FC champ. So, um, yeah, and, you know, same things when we were talking about staying abreast of different trends. Like, man, there, there's some slickness going on overseas that, that we also need to be in tune and aware of. Um, and, and you never know the, the way they're signing guys like, you know, Sage Northcutt and, and Eddie Alvarez and bringing these guys in and, and Demetrius. Um, you never know when – there may be an opportunity for one of your fighters. So um, I don't, I don't want to go into it blindly. 
And I haven't cornered any 1FC fights, but I hope to. I've, I've spent a lot of time overseas, and, uh, I, you know, I love Singapore. I love Southeast Asia. Um, I, I hope that there's an opportunity in the future for sure. Yeah, it looks like uh, quite a spectacle in all honesty, and it looks like the quality of competition is just growing and growing. So right now it seems like, you know, in the lower weight classes, they might be close to on par with some of the UFC fighters or, or rapidly getting there. It gets a little bit watered down the further you go up in weight, but you can see sure. like the evolution that, I mean, they, they're starting to develop like great camps out of, you know, Asia that, you know, are competing within the UFC and in one doing extremely well, obviously Tiger Muay Thai being one of the ones uh, yeah. that's a little bit more. Yeah, notable Tiger, well. um, uh, uh, what's in Singapore, Evolve in Singapore. Yeah. Those guys um, have killer. Yeah. And amazing gyms. And, uh, I, I was last time I was in Singapore, I was with Cowboy Cerrone and we went to that gym and it was, you know, amazing jiu-jitsu going on and wrestling and striking. And, uh, yeah, it, it, I never for one minute think that like, I, it's easy to become complacent, like in our just American ways. And I know that there's some kid in Burma that's training Lethway right now. <laughs> you know, it's like, even with Pico, it's like, yo, there's some kid in Dagestan right now that's 15 years old. And when you're on top, he's coming for you. Like that's who we're staying ready for. I completely agree. And there's so many hungry people over there, but also from a variety of different backgrounds, which they'll find their way to like fit it within like this sort of MMA mix that has kind of floated at the top with wrestling, jujitsu, and obviously Muay Thai and with a little bit of boxing as well. But left way is a brutal sport and uh, yeah, stuff like that. It makes it just like super, super excited. I would never have the, I don't think I'd have the guts to, to, to take a Oh man, these guys are boys. I don't, I don't either, man. It makes you feel like a soft American sometimes. So it's like, yo, we got to earn it. We got to work just as hard and be just as hungry. So let's always keep that mindset. 100%. With that being said, like what, like I, with different coaches that we run into, especially striking coaches, everyone has their own philosophy or, you know, brand of foundation that they're brought up in like what would you say in general is like your philosophy of striking that you at least try to impart on some of the champions that you've had a chance to work with over the years um you know the first and foremost i would uh i i feel like i'm a defensive coach you know like i've had a lot of fighters with amazing knockouts amazing combinations you know ones like cowboy and rick story or um you know Jones and DC too. And I, I feel like I've been part of some amazing striking performances, but um, what I really pride myself on is, is good defense and good footwork. Um, it, it's easy to look fancy on pad. It's easy to get, you know, big combinations going. Um, but, I, but I've been with my fighter who's had his orbital broken in the ER and, and we've been in another country or, or guys with, with, with permanent eye damage or, you know, you weigh those scars very heavy on yourself as well. So um, I, th I think with experience comes that, that, that reaffirmation of how important defense and footwork are. So um, that, that is my, my foundation. I don't want to see my guys get hit. Um, and with four ounce gloves on it, it doesn't take much to, to find the big knockout and find the finish, but it doesn't, you know, these, these guys are sword fighters, man. It doesn't take much to, to take one that can really change your life. So um, I, I, I weigh that responsibility heavily. 
I, I agree. You know, and that's kind of how we, or, you know, my, my crew brought me up where it was defense first and it wasn't about the flashy stuff. It was being a master of the basics. So, you know, your teep, just like a jab in boxing, that is going to be what you use, like always pumping out. That's your offense, that's your defense. And without it, you really can't fight. And whenever you are a master of the fundamentals of the basics, your probability of like getting seriously injured in a fight goes down a lot. You can still lose, you can still get messed up, but like for something catastrophic happening, especially like in an MMA bout with four ounce gloves and, you know, all the amazing competitors that are coming up, uh, it, it's it's paramount that defense like has to be like of front of mind. So I, I completely agree with how you approach the the striking game. Yeah, and then, then you know I think there's you know levels that get built up off it. Um, I try not to teach like long combinations, but but have positional awareness, right? So the guys will do a combo that sets up an angle. Now from the same angle, what what are you what are you aware of? What are your defensive concerns? What are your offensive opportunities? Um, so sometimes, you know, from the outside, it could look and like, oh, wow, they, they just did this 10 hit combo. But really, it's, it's segments with um, quick positional awareness and, and execution uh, afterwards. So um, in addition to that, I'm a big believer in feints. Like I, I want my guys jab feint just as developed as their right teeth feint, just as developed as their level change feint. And I think uh, in MMA, um, using those feints to, to get information, to, to start setting traps, to see dip, defensive tendencies um, is, is how you will really line up a knockout. And, uh, you look at Aaron Pico's last fight, you know, in the first round, he was able to really establish a right teep and uh, he saw his opponent being hard. The second round, he fainted the teep, swung a left hook and slept him. Um, sometimes it, it's, it's that simple. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's, there's so many layers to it. But uh, I, I think that just comes down to training my fighters to have good eyes, like good positional awareness, good eyes, and, and understand when there is an opportunity. Do you try to talk to your fighters like uh, from an intellectual perspective, you know, to have them thinking for themselves in the cage versus um, where it's like we have a set game plan and you rely on muscle memory slash your set game plan. So it's like, you know, that versus a Floyd Mayweather where it's like, I don't care who I'm fighting. I'm going to collect the information whenever I'm in the ring and I'll make my adjustments on the fly because I know I've got the skills to make, you know, any, any calculations that I need to like in the ring in the moment. Um, it's definitely a combination, right? Like, you know, guys like John Jones, we go in so detailed, so rehearsed with the, the game plan and, and knowing the opponent's tendencies and, and it really allows us to set up traps uh find find weaknesses expose areas but also i think part of john's brilliance is that floyd mayweather-esque where it's like um you know dom dominic reyes came out and fought a lot uh switching his stance in the last fight wasn't was something we were ultra prepared for he, he hadn't shown that a lot in his previous bouts but John's so well rehearsed, right? And he, he knows so many different styles and, and body types and, and how to execute off those. Not only do you have a, a team of coaches with, you know, hundreds if not thousands of UFC bouts under their, their belt, you, you have John with, with the perfect eyes and strategy and, and being able to make those adjustments. So, you know, we, we try to train for all those situations, right? Um, 
and insane mentally, physically, spiritually to be prepared to go into some really deep waters with somebody. When, when all game plan and all technique, when all strategies out the window to just be, you know, a, a, a dog and, and be able to go into those deeper and deeper and deeper, darker trenches. I think that's what's like super unique but also special about John as well, because he's clearly a thinking man. Like he's in there making an adjustment. And, and with the second DC fight, I don't know if that was a calculated effort that you guys were looking to do was hit that switch left kick to the body, knowing that DC always sort of fades. Always to that, to the right. Yeah, he yeah. always fades to that side. But I, I could totally expect that to happen with John where he he's seeing it and doing it in – like real time and even in those particular perspectives and like even in those you know fights where he's had a rough fight um you can see that he figured out like a way to come out on top which probably the closest one being you know the gus fight number number one and i think that that first gustafson fight is a prime example of john just like not willing to to be beat you know like he, he was gonna leave it all in there no matter what and just that's the real championship character at the end. That's something that we as coaches can't really teach guys have that heart or, or they don't. And, um, and John wasn't about to, to give it up. I mean, that's something that's been forged in him since, since he was conceived, I'm sure. So, um, you know, we're, we're blessed and fortunate enough to, to know that, that as well, like, right. Sometimes in the corner, it, it doesn't become a giving technical guidance. Sometimes it becomes giving emotional guidance and strengthening them. Sometimes we know they have that and they're just going to respond off technical guidance and like, Hey, cool. Give me the combo. Um, and, and, you know, uh, that, that relationship is so key. It, it really is. It really is just knowing how to motivate, when to motivate, what avenues to take and, and what they're going to respond to. It seems like you have a special relationship with a lot of the fighters that you, you know, are currently working with or have worked with in the past. And I think like, that's really the only, that's only the way to get the most out of them, but also at the same exact time, not to potentially not have a situation like, you know, with, uh, with Max Rolson or, you know, where, you know, uh, there's, there's that, there's that sort of, you know, question mark obviously drysdale felt like he, he made the he made the right decision and but i feel like that's the only way that you know you can sit there and say like drysdale being like no i stand by my decision like i know my fighter and being able to have that personal relationship in addition to you know kind of like a guiding mentor as a way uh, in addition to you know providing them with the with the technical knowledge that they need to hopefully be successful and not get injured in this crazy sport that that is mma yeah, that bonds uh, very important. And without like real connection and, and real trust, um, it doesn't really matter what I say if it's technical or, or strategic or, or you know trying to get an emotional response. So if that bond's not there, none of it matters. Then then you might as well just have your girlfriend in there handing you a water. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. <laughs> oh man that that was that was very that was very very interesting and kudos kudos to mike Perry. i, I would not have hey, man, they, they went out there and got it done and he knows himself and you know i think some of these fighters um it, it probably doesn't matter what you say in there right they're just going to throw down their brawlers their scrappers their fighters um i, I think there's a, uh, a lot of other martial artists that um, need the coach to calm them down and, and need to be reminded of different strategies and elements and uh, and, and 
it's not just about the fight, right? It's not just about those three rounds or five rounds. It's, it's a journey together. It's, it's in and out of the gym every day. It's about growing uh, skills, but also, you know, just growing and trying to improve as a man. And that's something I've taken away from all my relationships. I, I totally agree. I mean, it's almost like the relationship with, uh, with student athletes. It's like, it's not just your job to make sure that they're the best football player, basketball player, whatever sort of collegiate sport they're playing, but you're trying to prep these individuals for the world to make them the best version of themselves. And martial arts, especially like combat martial arts, for me, I'm obviously biased, but I think there's no better way outside of war, you know, to prepare someone mentally for like the trials and tribulations that life is just going to throw at you to like give you that mentality to just keep going forward and going forward and try to find some sweet like in the suck, especially whenever you're sucking wind or you're in a tough fight or anything like that, you know? Absolutely. Um, you know, martial artists has made me a, a stronger man, father husband, son, leader, uh, citizen, all of these things, right? Um, been able to travel the world and experience so many different cultures and religions and make friends and, and just opens up so much externally and internally. Um, so, so yeah, absolutely, 100%. You know, to me, sometimes it's relevant if the guys um, find victory or defeat, right? Like, I know this is their, I shouldn't say relevant, because it's, it's their livelihood, right? I mean, when you're in that camp, that fight means more to you than anything. But from, you know, when, when, when you pull back, uh, what is my real job as a coach? You know, there, there was a time I got like criticism for sticking by John when he was going through his trials and tribulations. And it's like, you know, people would accuse me of like, oh, you're, you're just in it for the money. That's why you're saying by him. It's like, no, no, no. I'm in it because I have been a friend of this man since he was, you know, just got out of his teenage years. And this bond we have is going to be a lifetime bond irrelevant of a of a business arrangement we have in the short period this is a lifelong friendship i'm going to be by his side for for everything yeah and and i mean your not your duty but maybe your obligation especially like as a friend or coach or mentor or whatever it is it's like if you see your guy you know screwing up you don't want to, you don't leave them high and dry or you feel like they could, they're not representing themselves in a way that you know that they can. If you know, like, that's not the individual, that's not the John I know. It's, you know, you're not helping right. them out by like, by saying like, all right, I'm going to send you off into the desert and let you, you know, think about, you know, ponder on your, on your sins and then come back to me whenever you're ready. Like, that's that's not how like real bonds and development or growth is made in, in my particular. No, yeah, and you're not you're not enabling either, but but you you really are there as like like what is the true definition of a coach? It's like okay, well we we conquered all these other challenges, right? Now let's conquer this one together. And, and um, you know I, I know that he's somebody that I have a, a true friendship with, a true bond with. Um, and I've been able to guide him in other times. Like, of course, I'm going to help guide him uh, in, in the, the tough times outside of the game as well. So to me, yeah, coaching is so layered and so multifaceted. Um, I've had amazing prospects that, you know, blew out their leg and never got to the big show. And, you know, there's still as tight of a bond with those guys as there is the champions. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a heavy role, a heavy responsibility to play. 
that's awesome. Like with that, I don't see any other like better way to sort of wrap up this particular podcast um, with with that sort of notion, because I can't express like how much like I agree with it, but also at the same exact time, if I don't stop you here, we'll talk for another hour, two hours about, you know, specifics of Muay Thai, of boxing, of, you know, the next MMA fight that you guys got coming up. So um, six, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day. Uh, to jump on the podcast, you know, bullshit with me for a little bit about, you know, boxing, MMA, you know, being a striking coach and stuff like that. Um, and I, I look to have you back on the podcast, um, you know, whenever, whenever you're ready. And hopefully the world will be back in some stable, yeah. maybe even see you in person again someday. Absolutely, man. We'll keep up the good work, coach. Keep inspiring and leading these young men and women and, uh, and do, doing the work. Always I a pleasure. I definitely will. Always a pleasure. I'll talk to you soon.